Hello and welcome to Shite and Sound, the podcast where two comedians watch one of the masterpieces of world cinema and then follow it up with a critically reviled film that is similar in some way. Maybe they share themes, plot, actors or director. We want to see if counterpointing these two films can bring out some new information or insights. On this episode we watched number 15 on the Sight and Sound list, Breathless, Jean-Luc Godard's new way of defining crime caper romance. Our second film this week is Gili, Martin Brest's career-ending crime caper romance. Okay, hi. So we should start by talking about the elephant in the room, which is specifically the one outside Finn's window. Finn is still uh, really positive about having COVID. And so once again, we are separate like ripples on a blank shore. and. it was on the day we choose to record that a bunch of burly construction boys have turned up outside Finn's uh, uh, hacienda. My villa. Yeah. And I just really, so you might hear that in the background. I'll, I'll try my best, but let's, let's keep it audible. So with that out of the way, Finn, welcome to Shy and Sound. I'm Finn Sound Nicholas. And me? If by some fucking miracle long shot you still haven't heard of my reputation, <laughs> l- let me tell you who the fuck I am. I'm the fucking Sultan of Slick, Sadie. I'm the rule of fucking cool. You want to be a gangster? You want to be a thug? You sit at my fucking feet and gather the pearls that emanate forth from me because I'm the fucking original straight first foremost pimp mac fucking hustle original gangsters gangster. That's right. It's me, Larry Gigli. <laughs> no, no, I'm not. Uh, there was a brief look of real fear on Finn's face that I was going to do this whole episode as Ben Affleck's <laughs> character from appalling piece of fiction, Gigli. <laughs> Just one of the worst, like one of the worst. Oh no, no, no. I was going to say non-actively offensive, but it is actively offensive. Sure. I mean, it, it, it is. It's 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 the worst of the two movies about Ben Affleck turning a lesbian uh, uh, straight. By f- by such yeah, by, a by, wide by, margin. By a lot. Well, and and uh, there's because the other one is, of course, more rats. <laughs> uh, no, it, 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 it's, well, it's it's good. It's goodwill hunting. Yeah. Uh, well, that's the will he's hunting. Her name's Wilhelmina. <laughs> Uh, uh, no, is is chasing Amy, and I feel like there is one stark difference. That is, in chasing Amy, we're supposed to think he's a dick. Wherein, yeah. like the the key sin of Geely, right, is that the film thinks we're going to be charmed by him doing this. I mean, yeah, but like this film does spend more time than I expected showing us that, like Ben Affleck's character. Uh, sucks and the way he's living his life is not working or making him happy yeah but it's done in a way we're supposed to like 
my reaction throughout when he's like, I have no friends, and I go like, yeah, it's because you're a fucking yeah, nightmare. Yeah, <laughs> And it is, well, he is introduced in a scene where he, it seems like he's narrating to the audience about, like, fucking, it's full of all these bullshit monologues. And he's all like, you know, Boy. ice, yeah, ice is, well, life is like ice at a bar. You can either get it in one big go and it means your whiskey's good forever, or you can, you know, like shit like that. And you think yeah. he's talking to the audience, to the camera, can't reveal he's robbing a laundromat. And no, no, it's, it, he put a guy inside a drying machine to oh, bring the right. sort of mob yeah, yeah. thing. Yeah, the yeah. guy owes money to a mobster and oh, yeah. Ben Affleck is an enforcer for, for, for this mobster. Yeah, and he ends by like saying like, hey, anyone got a quarter for a spin cycle? And then the guy's like, I'll tell you, I'll tell you. And that bit is so clearly, A, this film is post-Tarantino as shit, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. And, but it is just, he's, so you're supposed to be enjoying that, right? Like, I think you're sure. supposed to be on his side. And it is just like the whole time I just wished him ill. And then J-Lo turns up. Uh, 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 and you're like, you are miscast for this role. You are not doing badly. You are absolutely not what the person for this role. And then Justin Bartha is there doing a sub Jeremy <laughs> Savile impression of someone with autism. Like it's genuinely shocking. Uh, he had a career no, no. after this film. No, not what he is doing is an impression of Dunst. Of Dunstan and Dunstan checks in. No, uh, uh, I mean borderline at times. He's doing Dustin Hoffman in Rain Man, which is uh, yeah. uh, 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 about uh, it, it is an attempt at portraying autism. And luckily, Hollywood cinema has nothing but a five star number one hit rate at that. In music, it would be like Sia. Only hits. I'd love to see see your work on a film about. I'm just looking it up here. Oh no, I have to set my computer on fire. Oh um, no, Henry Rollins is in it. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, it's like Alfonso Cuarón directing that documentary. Yeah. Anywho, um, it is he. I didn't know it was Justin Bartha because the moment the performance starts, and the plot is basically a Rain Man. Uh, uh, some guy needs to be squeezed by some mobster who's always on the phone wearing the same clothes as if they shot all of his material in one day through the second act of this film he calls Larry Geely three times and it is the same shot wearing the same clothes at the same phone it yeah, is yes yeah, st 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 standing outside the same restaurant it, it is like a talking cat worked harder to differentiate its phone calls but, like, this crime guy is, like, abduct this autistic kid. He's the son of some senator or whatever, right? He's the younger brother of a federal prosecutor. That's right. And um, Affleck goes to, like, the, the care community he is in and sits yep. opposite him. And, like, within a second, he's like, you can't sit there. That I am not going to do the voice. But it's like, debt my chair for party time. And and it is yeah, so. And Ben Affleck's just going, "Hey, what the fucking matter with you? What the fucking matter with you? 
Yeah, come on. And uh, uh, even think- though he's a character from LA, he's still kind of doing like his like an East Coast kind of voice. I oh, think because no, right, he's because he's Ben Affleck. Yeah, sorry, I, 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 I just absolutely forgot about Ben Affleck for a second. So he's Bostonian. Yeah, yeah, but he's I, not. I, I, is he doing Boston? Who knows what he's doing? He's like it. It kind of. I, I I think I think he's trying to do like Italian American New York because he's because he's yeah. called Larry Gili. Like he, true, but all I can be sure about this character uh, from the information we're given within the media is that if you touched his skin, it would be squeaky and rubbery like a dolphin's flesh. Like, and his hair is so set. I'm sure he uses that in some of his crimes, right? But, like, to set the tone for this film, the Ryan. person with autism, Ryan. Brian. Brian. Um, his dream is to go to the Baywatch, which is where yep. they film Baywatch. Maybe. Because, and I quote, those ladies make he, his willy sneeze. Like, yep. that is That's- the B plot of this film. Uh, yeah, no, it is. Obviously, he's been given bad material to work with, but like, yeah, this is this is this is still one of those performances where you're like, how did Justin Barber work again after this? This yeah. is, this I is didn't, so it is so crazy. I didn't know it was him. It is also just to confirm what we all assumed. This film was uh, shot in two thousand and three, released in two thousand and four. Uh, uh, and is set then. We are not given yep. any reason to doubt that. The last episode of Baywatch was shot at least three years before then. So it's because de- they arrive on the set at the end, of course. So it's definitely not Baywatch. Yeah, no, anyway, it, uh, but that's uh, deliberately uh, uh, ambiguous, I guess. Well, yes. When he constantly says the Baywatch, he means the beach. Well, no, he means specifically the beach that contains the people in Baywatch, and he doesn't understand that it's not real. I think you are are overestimating the script's sympathy, if you think otherwise. I think... Uh, I just just don't know what what I was supposed to think about those things. Uh, (laughs) Apart from that, they were hilarious. And and to think, oh man, I can't wait till this guy raps. Uh, Baby got back twice. I uh, uh, and once more over the end credits. No, uh, yeah, no, that, that, that's that's for twice. Oh, it's a different one he does in the car. Yeah. It's like we need a little anyway. Yeah. Um, I didn't recognize it as Justin Bartha, and so through the whole film, I was like, okay, this guy is terrible. That's why I've never seen him in anything else, yeah. and I was shocked when it was him in the credits. I am the one who pitched G. Lee as the shite to uh, Goddard's Breathless. I pitched it on the basis that they're both, there is extended periods in both of people kind of being undercover, you know, in hiding. Sure, yeah. That is not real. There's nothing really to compare across the two films in those terms, I must admit. Mm. Yeah, not 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 massively, but there's something else, one that lies at the very core of the success of Breathless, and in another way at the very core of the failure of G Lee, which is like 
the screen performance of masculine charisma, right? Sure. Because Jean-Paul Belmondo uh, is the lead, Michel, this wandering criminal of Breathless, is someone who is acting in the real world like he's in a noir gangster film, right? Yes. Yeah, he he is someone who is is always dressed like Humphrey Bogart. He's always swooning and posing and striding. Yeah. He talks about Bogey at several points. They talk about films so much in this, it's a Goddard film, of course. Um, But everyone around him just feels like weird and normal, at least to begin with, right? Like, sure, yeah. He's, yeah, he's, he, he, he is the only, like, really heightened character in this. To begin with. Because when the cops start, we, we start with him on the run already. He's in a car singing, talking to the camera, jump cuts. Classic avant-garde, classic Goddard. Yeah. Talk, 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 talking directly into the camera. It's crazy stuff. Mm. Uh, who, 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 who would think that you can do that? Just watch Mr. Robot Finn, for fuck's sake. Please. Please. Um, and uh, he's already on the run. We see a couple of encounters with the police. But later, as they really start searching for him, they have also stepped out of a gangster film. Because we get these points... There's the bit where he goes into like a bar or a restaurant and does a big circle walking around the place, posing, think he's looking for her. And he looks so ridiculous and so ridiculously cool. His fag in his mouth, his sunglasses on his face, that bizarrely ill-fitting suit. And then we get the same shot almost precisely again with the two inspectors following him who are dressed actually like people in a film noir gangster film would be dressed and they sure. are cool in the way they are so yeah like, and and like earlier in the film we we like see a few police officers who are dressed like normal police officers when it's time to introduce the detectives the, yeah the, 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 they are like classic hollywood detectives and it's so to me the thing i noticed this time watching breathless which is uh, my second favourite of Goddard's films, I'm I'm a band apart stan, but I think it, this is an incredibly strong work. But what I saw for the first time is how much it is a story uh, of a man who is bored with the real world and so has chosen a fictional kind of masculinity and is attempting to to live life by it. And all that does is manifest real characters from that film. And it's like, okay, you want to live in a gangster thriller? Do you know what happens in gangster thrillers? <laughs> the lead gets shot and dies. Yeah. And that's the end. Um, And that, like, because the ending has always jarred with me, has always been my least favorite thing. Oh, we have not talked about the other main character of the film. Uh, Jean Seberg, Kristen Stewart herself, yeah. Uh, uh, plays Patricia, who's uh, an American woman. She sells the New York Times on the street. No, it's a, it's a New York Herald Tribune. Okay. You fucking fool. Bezos will pay to have that changed, though, right? 
It seems like the kind of thing he'd do. And, and he already knows her. They've already slept together. But he he pursues her down the street as she is selling the newspaper. Talk, I love this scene. Talk to me about it, Finn. He has come into Paris from, uh, from I think, Nice, where he stole a car and ends up killing a cop. Yeah. yeah Along that, the that, way, he considers picking up two female hitchhikers, but decides they're too ugly, standard yeah. French criminal stuff. <laughs> I mean, st- stand, 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 I mean, just standard French stuff. Oh, we, we, we. And yeah, so he makes it to, he makes it to Paris and he's yeah. looking, he's looking for a guy who owes him money. And, but, but, but like, first of all, he decides he's gonna, he's gonna find this woman he slept with a few times back in Nice. And yeah, he, he runs into her on the street as she is selling newspapers and uh, does what every man does in a movie from the sixties. He badges her into going on a date with him that night. Yeah, and his, like, his, you know, he gets a picture of her and it's out on Twitter and says she's walking down the street, how do you open? And his opener, (laughs) his opener is like, hey, since we slept together, I've slept with like four or five more girls and they were all boring. (laughs) Do you want to get back together? Yeah, like, they're they're, they're all, they're all fine. Yeah. You're fine. And, and 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 somehow that doesn't work on her. Yeah, and he just keeps pestering her. And, like, the arc of the film between them is very much uh, the first act of Thunderball, where it is, like, uh, a man kind of bullying a woman into a relationship, which is yeah. also what Geely is. Yep. Um, But Belmondo's arc generally being that he is, in the film, his character is like, I'm going to pretend like I'm not real. Like, Affleck is doing the same thing, right? Like, he is not... Pl- Larry Geely, the eponymous... Yeah, is, a, is, a, is a fake guy. Yeah, he's not a real person. No. He, he, is, he is Affleck doing an impression of, like, Man 4 who gets one line in, like, a God, good, Goodfellas ripoff being like, yeah, boss, I got him, you know? Yeah, but then Julie is also trying to be about how that character is like an affect. Yeah. The miscalculation at... Well, and that's also true of Breathless, right? The, mm. the, ma- the mask falls more in Geely. We see more moments of him being like, I'm so lonely. Ah, uh, bullshit. They love saying bullshitting. I'm in love with a lesbian. I'm making Blunt Man and Chronic with Jason Lee. I'm going to a diner. Silent Bob and Jay are there. And Jay was supposed to have a massive speech, but Jason News was so out of it on heroin. That's why Silent Bob has the massive speech. And that's why Dogma is written that you could just cut Jay from it. Because you had to take a sobriety test every day. And to Mm -hmm. prove... uh, uh, Who else was going to say snoochie booches? Who else are you going to get to do that? I I think you could get Nope. Incorrect. It's, it's got it's gotta be J Dog. Evan Peters, that guy? That Quicksilver? <laughs> he could be Jay. Oh. Young Jay when they reboot. Him and uh oh, oh. who's a good young Bob? Uh Josh Gad. <laughs> no. Why I want this to be good. <laughs> it um, is Okay. It oh, is I, very I, I, uh, it is very yeah. upsetting to me that Josh Gad, by all accounts, is a lovely, 
supportive, caring, hardworking person. Yeah, no, yeah, I'm sure, 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 I'm sure he's a great guy. It just, it's so unfortunate that he's so annoying. At least yeah. the person he has replaced in, oh fuck, that voice is in everything, is TJ Miller, who was actually a dirtbag, you know? Yeah. Um, God, I just rem- I really remember being in Ready Player One and the experience of being like, who? Oh, fucking TJ Miller. Anyway, um, but but G- the mistake G Lee makes is assuming I stand by this that you will. It bases a lot of his film on you at least being on his side. Do you know sure. what I mean? You 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 like wanting him to get to you you like wanting him to get better. Well, yeah, because he has, when when Belmondo has big emotional speeches, they are about thrills and uh, uh, great sex or running and violence, right? The things or of how the- how much he loves the countryside. Uh, yeah, but like sensory things. Sure. And, be- and because obviously this is Goddard, Goddarding it the fuck up, you know, uh, hard cuts, weird cuts, talking to the camera, the- all these, there's so many jump cuts. You hear about the jump cuts in Breathless, and then you're like, there can't be that many. And then there are like 10 times more than you think. Well, there were fewer than I expected. I saw the first like 10 minutes of this on TV, like probably seven or eight years ago. I, I just remember being wall to wall jump cuts. I remember like not being able to get a handle on it because the editing was so weird. And then I watched it again today. I was like, this this seems standard to me now. This seems, this seems normal. Some of that is the fact that I watch movies for for fucking maniacs now. But yeah, we're in too deep. We're deep in the yeah. shit. It was a lot more like spatially and temporally legible than than I was expecting it to be. I I think a large part of that is Goddard's skill as as a filmmaker. So already this early in his career, like there is an innate sense of skill, and I think that's because. When you focus on this film, when you follow the plot and the characters closely, you tune out a lot. Almost, I would say, every scene in this has at least one jump cut. Every scene is usually at least two scenes. Some time will be elided within it. People will suddenly be elsewhere. Sure, yeah. But but if you're focusing, you can miss a lot of those. But he is still definitely asking you not to get involved. He is asking you to watch, not to feel, right? And that is key to looking at and unpacking Belmondo's character and his relationship to Seabergs. Whereas, like, Martin Brest is directing a Judd, a sub Judd Apatow script, like he's a lifetime movie director. And so all you have to do is like look to performances. And so all you get lumped with is this fake drag masculinity that Affleck is doing, right? That's my take. Yeah. What do you what do you see? Well, it was so weird seeing this as like a movie by Martin <laughs> Brest. The previous three movies I've seen of his, uh Midnight Run and then the two we did for this podcast. And obviously I do not like either Scent of Woman or Meet Joe Black. Yeah. But like they, but like they feel movieish, you know. They and they're, look and they're, like films. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. They look like movies, and there are like each of those movies has like at least a couple of kind of like meaty performances. 
Versus, yeah. And, and, and like Midnight Run is a fucking lark of a movie with a plot absolutely doesn't matter. It's just two middle-aged men hanging out and, and shouting obscenities at each other. There is still so much more of a like genuine sense of like connection and friendship there. Then in this movie about two very hot people who who fall in love and have sex, yeah, who were dating at the time where there is no sense of attraction, and there is, I like Deep Water. I kind of think that's unintentional. I think that's intentional. I think like they their chemistry is bad for this film, but I yeah. think cast it like because the premise is supposed to be now that he has this kid. His boss doesn't trust him, so sends over Jennifer, Jennifer Lopez, who is another prime enforcer. And, yeah. shock twist, she is a lesbian. That yes. means she cannot be friends with Ben Affleck. It's not possible. So, Finn, what is your... You're, you're in pretty deep touch with uh, chemistry on screen. Oh, yeah. Hottie's working it out. Yeah. Can you do your uh, uh so yeah as you said Benefer was dating Bilo at this time and yet what is this relationship like on screen Finn? tell me. Okay, so you know how in uh, Out of Sight you got George Clooney and Jennifer Lopez as a sort of mismatched pair who over the course of uh, several crimes being committed have sort of cat and mouse so fallen in love with each other. And, like, that movie is uh, two of the hottest, most charismatic people in the history of movies just selling you on the idea of their romance. Just yeah, like yeah. Perfectly. You absolute, and you see it grow and change, right? And you can yeah, understand. Yeah. Well, I, it you, has the best you, romantic you, you, comedy you, qualities in that you can see why they get along. You can see why they don't get along. And the actual filmmaking supports how you're supposed to view their relationship. That doesn't like, seem like a Soderbergh move to me. Hmm, he's, like, a, he's, he's a hand for hire, Finn. Sure. The scene in, in, in the hotel bar where Clooney finally catches up with Jennifer Lopez, the two of them are like talking and flirting in the bar, and then it starts to intercut them in the bar flirting with them in her hotel room having sex. Yeah. Is, I think, just like one of the like great romance scenes of all time, but also just one, one of the like best edited and like most smartly edited things I've ever seen. And yeah. it's a scene where the editing is illogical, but the flow emotionally 100% makes sense. Yes, no, exactly. Like most, if not all of breathless's jump cuts as well. Sure, yeah. Uh, how does that, uh, so you're bringing up this great, like we know JLo can do romance we know we, she can we, do tests. We, we, we know she can like be tough in crime stories. Yeah, yeah. She can like believably sell a like capacity for violence, but also a tenderness at the same yeah. time. And, and Affleck at this point has had, you know, he's had hits, he's had misses, he has his Oscar. He's not a bad actor. No. And yet, together in this film, do sparks fly, Finn? There is a. Uh, sex scene between these two very hot people that I just totally skipped through because I did not care about their romance at all. Uh, it's a dumb sex scene as well. Yeah, like they do, is. they do a bad job of the sex. I mean, scene. And it, it, it starts with the, the like most famous line of the film, one of the most famous lines of any bad movie ever, which is Jennifer Lopez like leaning back on the bed and hinting to Ben Affleck that that she wants him to eat her out by saying it's turkey time. When he says. What? 
And then she says, gobble, gobble. And he says, what? It is. <laughs> Obviously, that's like a line and a line reading that, that, that you hear about a lot when, when, when people talk about bad movies. But man, it's really, it's really something to, it's really something to, to actually see that. I did not think I was going to like Geely. I'm mm. not deluded. Uh, uh, I'm in the middle of a mental health crisis, but that is not one of them. But I did think, like, my expectation would be that it would be boring or fine. Because sure. so much of it was, so much of its negative reception seemed to just be backlash about how Benefer was so omnipresent, you know? And yet when you see it, the only, yeah, this is a film, I think we've discussed it before, I think I've even uh, uh, talked about Meet Joe Black in these terms, but like the answer of how to make this film better is to not make it. Like, there is no salvation. Every element of it is wrong. That they looked on Martin Brest's script for this and were like, oh, okay, so a major emotional beat, kind of when G. Lee and uh, J-Lo decide to kind of be together, is uh, the bad actor doing a bad autism impression, starts singing like, we all need a little love in the back of a car. And, And it is so painful and misjudged yeah that it feels like a clerical error that we can watch it you know yeah and yeah like if if every every part of it feels misjudged like 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 there's no good bit of it well okay there is one bit that i kind of like which is it's for like first night of a of a kidnapping and jennifer lopez is in what's her character's name it's like Ricky. There's a whole thing about uh, her name's Ricky. You'll never learn my real name. Yeah. Uh, and he's like, what's your name? And at the end, he learns her name is Rochelle. So Ricky is not a cover name. It's a nickname. Yeah. Like, but, yeah. So it, it, it's, it's the first night of the kidnapping. Ricky is in Julie's bed because he's... he's 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 trying to sleep with her. Doesn't know yet, but she's a lesbian, and he's like, yeah. "Hey, hey, you don't have to sleep on the floor. Hey, you can, hey, you can have half my bed. Oh, hey!" And so doing that. So like, she, she 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 is lying in bed reading a book, and then it cuts to him in the bathroom, just like like pumping himself up for like, "Yeah, I'm, t- I'm totally gonna go out there and sleep with her." And he's like shirtless and flexing, and just going on this this like insane monologue about like, "I'm the bull. I'm the fucking bull. Oh yeah, she's gonna like this. She's gonna like these guns." Oh, oh, she's gonna like it. Wah. And it goes on for so long. Yeah, it's borderline these- American psycho, right? Oh, yeah. And there's just all these cuts to, to Ricky lying in bed, just being like, what is he fucking doing in there? And I really enjoyed Ben Affleck's commitment to playing that moment as dumb as possible and committing to it for so long. Yeah, I also do. But like the thing about all the like monologues and speeches in this movie is they all feel like a fucking Tim and Eric bit. Like if, if the background was green screened, you would like you basically wouldn't need to change anything. Everyone is giving these performances of like trying to be tough or trying to be intimidating or trying to be hot, and it comes off so strangely. As I said, in Out of Sight, Jennifer Lopez feels like genuinely tough, and there is a scene yeah. where she like where, where she beats up a guy who is like. Who, who is like a foot and a half taller than her, and you and you believe it. And I mean, in this, she like goes to give a group of guys a telling off, and she like explains 
some like Muay Thai or something. She's like explaining some martial uh, it, art. It, 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 it's a made up thing. Out. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's, yeah. It, it's a made up martial arts move where you pluck someone's eye out so bad they lose their brain. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's another point where this film, like, uh, uh, like bad times at the El Royale, all it is doing is just yeah, yelling, yeah, being like, Tarantino. Please, just can we be like Tarantino, please, please? And then, and then US viewings are saying, no, you cannot be like Tarantino. You don't have the skill or the taste. Well, and what that ends up doing is that every scene is too long and is yeah. full of bullshit. And, of and, and absolute the monologue, the time. Too long. Every element of it, it is, there is a scene when, when they kind of, he, she reveals to him that she is a lesbian. And then the next day she's doing yoga and they have a long conversation about like, how long have you been a lesbian? Why don't yeah. you sleep with men? And she does this long speech about why women are attractive. While she is doing yoga. And, like, you do not guess how male gazy the camera is. (laughs) And it is, like, the bit of uh, uh, Transformers, I believe it is three, where they are looking at cars and they're describing the shape and power of a car while uh, a camera points at Rose Huntington Jones. Um, It is, like... This bit of Geely is worse than that. It's genuinely uh, retrograde in a way that feels like it. It's one of those things that's not like it it, should be illegal. It just should be like people would just reflect. It's like when you're driving and you see a stoplight, you automatically stop. It's actually really hard to run a red light. You have to kind of trick yourself into doing it. I know this from all the times I've run red lights. <laughs> and, and doing a scene like this, I feel like exists within the same space, but in the creative mind. Like, you simply could not do it. It is fucking... Oh, it's dis- like it's creepy, right? This film is creepy. <laughs> it's a very weird scene it goes on forever and the like scene is about her like trying to turn him on it does linger on it a lot but it's doing that uh very much in the kind of post uh, second stroke third wave feminism like she is empowered because she knows she's a sex object and she's using it which is a bit like being like it's fine that i'm gonna kill you because I'm doing it while feeling bad, you know? Like, it, it, it's, n- it's not an excuse, guys. <laughs> and it is, like, that. the heart of the film is that you never buy their relationship at any step of the way, right? Yeah. When they are apart, you're like, oh, you're dating. Or, and when they're together, you're like, how do you stand each other? <laughs> And, oh, like, a key part of it is that it's very weird, but, like, J-Lo's lesbianism is expressed in two ways. Her saying she is a lesbian a lot. Yeah. And meeting two of her exes across the film. One is just someone working at a shop, and it makes Affleck a little jealous. The other- No, he gets very jealous and starts punching things and, like, shouting slurs at her after that scene. Yeah, it is. I mean, I was trying to elide that genuinely upsetting moment, but 
and the other Finn, I want you to describe the scene where her ex appears and busts in and what she does. And I'm asking you to do it. I'm not relating it myself because I am not a hundred percent sure it actually was in a released film. It's the like second or third day of a kidnapping. Ben Affleck is woken up by the sound of loud music playing in the, in the other room. He gets up and sees Justin Barber uh, in the kitchen listening to some hip-hop on the radio and uh, dancing and singing along. Uh, while that happens, uh, Jennifer Lopez is in the shower. So he, he's he's shouting at Justin Barber for a while about, like, I've got neighbours and, you know, we can't let anyone know that you're here. Then he hears a knock on the door, he goes and opens it, and standing there is the actress Missy Kreider, uh, who in this movie is playing the role of Robin, and who is probably best known for her role as uh, the waitress at Winkies in Mulholland Drive. Yeah, uh, Diane slash Betty. That's who uh, uh, I recognized her as. She storms in, and she's instantly uh, shouting at Ben Affleck, like, who the fuck are you? And like, why is she with you? And it turns out this is this is one of Ricky's ex girlfriends who has been who has been stalking her and, and and has seen her with this with this man and has decided to come in and shout at them about about their relationship failing or whatever. Jennifer Lopez comes out of a shower in a towel and 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 you know there's more shouting. Ben Affleck starts shouting. Missy Kreider starts shouting. Jennifer Lopez is shouting. And they're all shouting about different stuff. And and it's all very relentless and uh, uh, incredibly... The tone is very bizarre. She is such a... Like a Sunday morning cartoon version of a spurned ex. Until... so so like yeah she 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 is so like like shrill and obnoxious and it's a it's a very like unpleasant performance and then yeah. she like runs over to the kitchen and says you know what how about I just, how about I fucking kill myself how about I fucking kill myself and she pulls out uh, she pulls out a knife from a drawer and uh, slits both of her wrists yeah. <laughs> and then she sort of hold which is like holds her hands up above her head and starts going huh huh yeah I mean I mean uh, hard cut to the hospital it is. Or one of the most grossly misjudged moments of cinema uh, uh, outside of, like, I get, like, the work of Lenny Riefenstahl. Like, it is so, like, what an awful, it is, it's unsettling, (laughs) right? Because it's like a suicide scene done in, like, Barney. I guess is kind of like the emotional <laughs> level of the rest of it. You know, like it do, it does have that sense of like, help me. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's 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 it it it's it is it is like baby's first Cassavetes, and it and it just is one of a really severe how dare you moment. You know, yeah. And the interesting thing is that like against Breathless, which is also kind of full of how dare you moments. Sure, like, yeah. Like, like, Belmondo's character pushes Lo- the audience away. Yeah, and- he, 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 lo- he loves to go around town, like, like picking up the backs of, of, of women's skirts. Yeah. And, and like, Seberg is n- no angel either. 
Sure. And, and their relationship is equally prickly and weird. And like, as we've said, is defined by him like bullying her into getting with him again. Mm. And, and yet it, in my opinion, works. Does it work in your opinion? In, in Breathless? Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 would, I would say so. I, 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 think, I think I don't like Breathless as much as you like it. But 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 I think it is definitely successful. Yeah yeah, I, I yeah no I'm not I'm not looking for you to 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 scream it from the streets you know, yeah. and and it is and I just think so beyond like Jean Luc Godard being Jean Luc Godard even only on his first film and Martin Brest making his being Martin Brest making his last film like the key difference I think is that Belmondo and. Seberg have chemistry like that's so much of what the film is sold on and like that first scene where he's pestering her and she's just being like New York Times switching from her American accent to her bad French it's great stuff is that the way she is playing it is so like I do want you to be annoying me like I Mm. do kind of want this there's always a tension like a give and a take in it and I really understand how that is now problematic trope, right? Like so many films are about stalking, but the victim likes it. Sure, yeah. But in this, it is clearly a cynical move to make the film watchable. And you're allowed to do something that cynical in a film about people so cynical, you know? Yeah. In a reasonably light comedy romance with a little bit of a crime thing yeah it, like that yeah that's that scene does not work it does feel like it would need to be in a much more like grounded and dramatic film than than Gigli. or it should be the turning point on which the whole film turns except sure, yeah. there's one scene at the hospital and then we never hear about her again yeah yeah the the the, the, the scene of the hospital is entirely like shot from outside the hospital in Ben Affleck's car where you see Jennifer Lopez and Missy Kreider through the doors and Missy Kreider sitting on a hospital bed with like bandages around both of her wrists and then like Jennifer Lopez is bending over to talk to her and then the two of them hug. And it's, it's all it's all shot from like Affleck's perspective. And yeah. then it cuts to Affleck being like, oh, that woman's so beautiful. And you're know, like, 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 yeah, like, sure. But you've got to have a bit more to say than that. Oh, well, and for a film about uh, kidnapping someone mm. uh, 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 to influence other things, there's just no sense of consequence at this. Like, mm. the, the, the ending is that they drop off the, the, the person with autism at Baywatch and like, ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Your brother's going to come, and then they get in the car, and uh, Jennifer Lopez says, are you driving or bullshitting? And they drive into the sunset, and it is genuinely like, I've hit page 120, bye. Yeah, um, th- this, this movie is, like, this movie is two hours and one minute long, and uh, I, I think that is unacceptable. Yeah, it is. I, 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 I was expecting this movie to be, like, an hour 40 at most. Yeah. it was. find out it, it is two hours. It were uh, uh, in a, as a semi-regular feature, 
uh, uh, I would like to report I did perform the ritual of at some point poisoning the film, being like, oh, it's about mm. to end, and seeing there was another hour left, and just really despairing. Like, it, 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 it is so irritating. Yeah. It is this world without, it is just a sequence of events, whereas, like, for something so disjointed, Breathless is all about consequences. We start with him in this car that we then found out he stole and kind of, and he wants to get back with Seberg and everything kind of follows from there to him being shot. It's all consequences of that moment of his behavior, you know, like there, there is a rigorous line to this film, even if it wants you to think there isn't. So yeah, we've been bouncing between them quite a bit. And, and I think we, we should talk more about Breathless. Yeah, because that's a real movie. Yeah, so let's first uh, do it in the opposite order. Let's wrap up G. Lee. Uh, fine, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's bad. It, 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 it's uh, dully bad. It, it is uh, disgusting and out of touch. And I understand why it ended a lot of people's careers. Uh, yes. So I'm uh, calling it shite, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. If, if you feel, if you feel like that's what you have to say, then I think go, go, go with that feeling. I'm going to call it from the fucking rooftops. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think it's, I, I think it's also shite. Uh, it's yeah, it, it is my least favorite of the, of the, of the Martin Brest films we've watched. Uh, it it does make me understand why Affleck was like such a laughing stock for so long. Yeah, because like I mean, the, the, like this, like the, I think the problems of this movie aren't entirely his or Lopez's. No, like there are moments like the bathroom scene where I think he really pulls off the the the, the like the, the the like weirdness of the facade of masculinity that that he is that he is going yeah. for here. It just should not be the lead character of a romantic film. <laughs> just sure. not at all. Yeah, yeah, and like that, 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 that like quote that you read at, at, at the beginning of the film, where he's talking, where he's, where he talks about how cool he is. Like you, you would, I, 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 I don't think you were ever supposed to believe that about him. You, no, you, 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 you're never supposed to believe he is that cool. And Affleck convincingly is not that cool. And I think a lot of the reaction to this movie, people saying, "Oh, this is like the worst movie ever made," was people thinking. Like what? What was people not like? Like getting the tension that 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 we are supposed to be like feeling. This movie keeps on like making a feints of being about like this guy's got to like learn to get more in touch with his femininity and he has to like stop all this macho posturing. But it never it never does a massive amount with that. No. Like there's a scene where he eats J Lo out instead of her going down on him, and then in the end, uh, she's driving, not him, and like that's. And, and like, uh, uh, you know, he has a whole thing about like, in, a, in, every, in every relationship, there's a cow and there's a bull, and I'm the bull, baby. You're the cow. And yeah. then later on in the Ugh. movie, the like roles are reversed. Now after they have sex, she's like, oh, so there's a bull and a cow in every relationship, and he's like, yeah, moo moo. <laughs> Again, uh, Midnight Run, which is not a movie that's trying to be about anything, is a, is a more interesting film about masculinity and like. Than, than, than this one is, which is actively trying to have something interesting to say about masculinity. I yeah. think it is uh, shite in a major way. There's one other Affleck moment that I liked, 
which is after the scene where Ricky tells those guys that she'll rip their eyes out. Ricky walks away with Brian, and then then Affleck like walks up to those guys as well, and he picks up and like one of them has a laptop, and he picks up a laptop and snaps it over his knee and says, "Yeah, how about suckmydick.com? Yeah, I <laughs> as much as this is the fire that burned Affleck. We also see the phoenix's egg of his return. Yeah. Because this exact kind of character, this parody of masculinity, who is clearly all front, but you immediately don't like, is what he has made his name again with Gone Girl on Up, right? Mm. And I, yeah, it is just showing how you need to utilize Affleck, right? And the yeah, fact that yeah, the he, material he, he, he has started writing for himself emphasizes it, shows that he knows it. And it is like, yeah, no, like, Geely's major mistake is thinking this guy is likable. Yeah. When, yeah, like, and, you make yeah, and, masterpieces and, if you hate him, you know? And the, like, thing that's been such a boon for, for his career in the past few years is, like, putting on some weight and going a little bit gray and not having to be a hunk anymore. Being able to, like, fully just, like, lean into, like, going scumbag mode rather than have to, like, try and make audiences like him as well. Yeah. Uh, so maybe even in disaster, there there is some uh, redemption. Now, uh, me and Finn here, we keep rolling lists, ranking every film we have watched for this podcast. Film. Not film. Ben. Film 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 Nicholas. Film Nicholas. Film sound, sound Nicholas. Nicholas. Done, locked in. Film sound <laughs> Nicholas. Film sound Nicholas. Um I have Geely and Film de Boob 2003 ranked at number 171. It is above Holmes and Watson. And Beneath the Hot Chick, that makes it the 11th worst film we've watched. And uh, two, four of the films beneath it in the top 10 are by Uwe Boll. Like, this is the territory <laughs> we're in, you know? Where is uh, it for you, Finn? Uh, I have it at uh, number 161. Uh, it is above Blubberella, but below Mickey and Maud. Yeah, just, uh, yeah, there's really not much more to say. Ben, are you interested in hearing a positive opinion on this film, a positive review? Let's hear what this, I'm sure, cogent and rational person has to say about Gili. Uh, and, and of course, it needs be remarked that, that of course, a lot of the five-star reviews were people just writing negative reviews and then putting five stars on them. Yeah. Uh, because, lol. This is by Nathan Sizemore. It is a four and a half star review with a heart. I am pretty much resigned to the fact that no one else in the world likes Geely, but I can't help but be baffled by the fact that a very large portion of the English speaking movie going world has ranked it as one of the worst films of all time. There's no way. It's too unique. Funny. <sighs> And just plain weird to be anywhere near the bottom. God, I wish this film was weird. God, I yeah. wish it was weird, right? Like, and then it yeah. at least would be it, something. The, 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 the like parts that 
approach weird are the most normal version of weird, where it's like, what if this, like, awkward white guy did a rap? That's about as far as the weirdness goes. I mean, we, 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 we didn't even talk about the fact that, like, Christopher Walken and Al Pacino both shot for one scene each. And they just do their business, flail around, and then leave. Al Pacino's scene really has the energy of it literally being all the time he was on the set. He enters being like, hey, guys, how are you doing? And he's looking around like he's looking for a charger for his phone. (sighs) Ah, what's going on? Yeah, but, like, they are so... And Walken is just Walkening, right? Like... Yeah, but but he's not... Like, like, last night I watched the first 40 minutes of Man on Fire with Denzel Washington, and, like, like, Walken is is in a few scenes of that. And he is he he is walking in that, but he's put he's putting some fucking juice on it. Whereas like whereas, yeah. whereas like this is just like stock room walking. Yeah, it's why he gave Schneider and the animal and things like that. Here is the second paragraph of Nathan Sizemore's review. This is a story about the two nicest heavies the mob has ever seen spending a weekend with a mentally challenged guy they've kidnapped. It also includes the following. Ben Affleck talking to a flashlight. Jennifer Lopez explaining in exquisite detail how to gouge an eyeball. Uh, um, I would really uh, I would really disagree with the word exquisite. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I would say Almost maybe excruciating. Beyond the... Um, like, suffixes, I disagree with almost every word in this, you know? But, like... <clears throat> An, a mythic quest to find the Baywatch. Justin Bartha singing Baby Got Back to the beat made by a thumb being sawn off a dead body with a plastic butter knife. A totally unhinged Al Pacino scene. And then this. And then it is a link to... some on your head your tongue and slap your brains out trying to get to it interested yeah a youtube link to that i can watch that scene around 10 times in a row and laugh each time i think this person has some kind of brain cancer (laughs) (laughs) it might be my favorite christopher walken moment of all time that is not an acceptable opinion Earlier today, I accidentally saw an image of a man who'd had his face bitten half off by a bear, and I think that's what's happened to this guy's brain. Also, don't ever look at images of that. This being the worst movie of all time has nothing to do with its quality. 84 out of 100. Jesus. It's just life is so difficult. That we have to numb it in some ways. And sometimes people choose to numb it by like throwing matchsticks up their nose to destroy their mind and <laughs> enjoy films like Geely, you know? We all have our own paths, right? What do you do to mute the noise? I mean, we've, 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 I'm, I'm pretty sure we've talked about it. It's, it's the thing where I, where I listen to Lou Reed's Metal Machine music on full volume. Oh, yeah, that's right. We have talked about that. What a troubling conversation it was. Yeah. Nathan Sizemore, do you want to guess his top four films? Oh, why not? Okay. 
Uh, one is a definitional horror film. It's excellent. Uh, alien. Yep. The next one is a, uh, oh, it, it is, uh, uh, apropos to the theme, a romantic comedy that is entirely someone bullying their ex. Oh, it's so many romantic comedies. Um, this is one of the biggies, one of the big names, a classic. Uh, the one where John Cusack holds up a boombox? No. And uh, not say anything way before anything. that as well. We're looking, it's black oh, and white. The, uh, the Philadelphia story? No, you're in the right era. It's, it is, bring, no, not bring it up, baby. It's the other one. His Girl Friday. Yeah, it is. His Girl yeah. Friday. The next uh, is another film of that era, uh, of the 40s. Uh, it, it's very, very popular in America, largely uh, due to- no, largely due it's to a wonderful a, life. Yeah, it's a wonderful life. The rights issue meaning it's on TV a lot. Yeah. Uh, and the last is a uh, film. Full stop. That's your clue. No. Um, it is a film that combines live action and animation. Uh, who framed Roger Rabbit? No. Is it that sort of combining live action and anim- and animation? In that the characters exist in the same world, yes. It's not 2D cell animation, though. Okay. This is a film for adults. Like, it's got David Bowie songs in it. Goldblum. That's oh. who I'll give you. It is The Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou. That is correct. Uh, those are Nathan Sizemore's top four films. It's A Wonderful Life, The Aquatic. The Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou, Alien, and His Girl Friday. Uh, if I just, I'm feeling a real disconnect from reality finding someone giving it 84 out of 100, you know? Yeah, no, that's very odd. Makes me think, can we ever truly know another human? Or are we always just kind of distant? Lying well, sprawled on the ground, calling each other scum, you know? Eh. Who can tell? So where do you... So let's uh, regain our breath. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, where do... Yeah, I've, I've talked a lot through my ideas uh, of Breathless and, and why I like it. Uh, what is... What do you see? So I... Like with, with like this era of Godard, it it just do, it doesn't particularly grab me. Like like obviously everyone's super cool and there's lots of jump cuts, but for me Godard doesn't really get super interesting until he starts shooting in color and gets really into a, a radical left wing politics. That's when I start to vibe with Godard when it's like Breathless or when it's like Alphaville. I always enjoy the look of those films. It, it always just feels like it's it's, it's missing something. Like it, it, it's like it's it's like it's it's too cold. It's too distant, and I, and I can never I, I can never fully get a handle on it. But but, but, but like with contempt, like that, like the, 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 the like story that contempt is telling is is like is much more compelling to me. And also the like look of that film is so breathtaking. And then when it gets to the like kind of late sixties, early seventies stuff, 
where where he is going like really far out there with his politics and 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 he is like using he he he's like using the visual language he's starting to develop in Breathless for like specific political ends that like that interests me a lot more. But like but like with, with, with Breathless, like yeah, I had a had a good time with it. Jean Paul Belmondo looks incredible in this. There's a bunch of scenes where he's got his shirt off and like did not know people were that ripped in 1960. That dude's, that dude's, he's, he's got, yeah, he's look. Yeah, got, yeah. Got, got, a, got a great fucking look. I call and, him Croc Monsieur because he's a snack. <laughs> and a bit cheesy. <laughs> and ham. Yeah. I have a good time with it, but I really prefer the stuff that he does later. I feel like stuff he does later is both like more extreme and more beautiful than this. Uh, can I tell you what attracts me? Because I, I kind of understand uh, that resistance in a way. I am I'm slightly, I buy the cool a little more than you do, but not a million times more. The thing that, that mm. draws me to Breathless, like Band Apart is my top because I think it is the intersection of those two points. That's just when he's still having fun but the politics is getting in there, you know? Sure. And I just, I always have a good time watching it. Um, to me, the thing that makes Breathless appear, appealing and what this whole era of Goddard appealing is that this is when, uh, mm. with 400 Blows uh, mm. the year before and this, like the avant-garde has uh, 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 arrived at the avant and are doing yep. some guarding. And this is... Like 400 blows, obviously, but also Breathless are incredibly youthful films. They are made by young people. They have no patience. All they are is propulsive and explosion. It feels like so many of these jump cuts come from Goddard just being like, come on, come on, let's get to the interesting bit. There's like a brattiness and a showing offness. Like, what if I made a film that's just the hits? just the good stuff and by doing that i made it weird and i commented on that without rejecting it and it's that energy that i find really appealing i think he manages to to thread a, a to thread the needle uh, uh right here from the very beginning of making things that are commenting on film while still um being good films do you know what I mean? Like, sure, yeah. And, and in a way that comment on themselves without ever being like uh, meta, being self-conscious, if you know what I mean. Um, and it is that as he moves to color and, and moves to his more political stuff, as as you say in the seventies, to me it's it's just it's less fun. Do you not find it fun in this era? <sighs> Sure, it's 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 fun, but but like but like some but like some but I mean some something like Jules and Jim I find more, I find more fun than this, but like I don't know I I I I guess it is fun, but it's not it's not as much fun as as I as I wanted it to be, and it's not as much fun as I kind of need it to be to make up for the fact that it is lacking in the other things that I love Goddard doing. Like, in Jules and Jim, 
I am more put off by those characters, but also I buy those romances more. And yeah. I, I and I and I buy that sort of like youthful effervescence more. Do you so you don't buy this romance? I mean, I'm, I'm not. I'm not sure Goddard wants me to particularly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pre, pre, that was the point I was getting to because it, it is yeah. not. It is. It's a fractious relationship that ends with them in horrible judgment of each other. Sure, like, yeah. This this film is not pro this relationship. No, and, and that is, I think, part of its youthful anger. You know, looking at Renoir. And uh, being like, no, not everything is a pretty picture. What if we just look at normal people, just a woman selling papers on the street? And what if someone who thinks he's in a movie shows up? That wouldn't be fun. It would fuck her whole life over, you know? Yeah. That's the kind of thing you like, right? Usually, yeah. And yet. You are calling Jean-Luc Godard's Breathless a boot de souffle or whatever. Brackets, 1960. Shite. No, I didn't say that. I, I heard you say it. It was no, implied, I right? It was. No, I don't think no, it was. No, Finn, I need you to realize we live in a post-Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness world. Any criticism of a film disrespects the people who worked on it. Right, and yeah, also, no, it, it, it means that I hate it, and I hate everyone who worked on it. Yeah, and yeah, I think yeah. That, I think that uh, I think that every single below-the-line person on this film should be executed by a firing squad. <laughs> that's, what it, that's what it means. And, and of course, the other thing uh, uh, we have learned in, in the P-D-S-I-T-M-O-M world uh, is that, of course, any film that acknowledges that underneath skin there is bone and flesh must be rated R in America, or else it is too scary, as if slapstick has not existed for millennia. But anyway, uh, uh, here's my review of that film. It's more Sam Raimi than you think. You won't be mad you saw it. Anyway. So, wait, Finn, you are, in fact, calling Breathless 1960 sound. Uh, yeah, I, 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 would, I would say so. It's about hot people hanging out in Paris, which is uh, cool. And, you know, it, it, it moves really fucking fast. Like, I, 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 was, I, was, I, was, I was re-watching a video drum a couple of nights ago, and I, I was sort of like, and, and I was like marveling at the fact that by minute seven, they are already watching video drum. And, but, but this movie, by like minute five, he has stolen a car and killed a police officer. It pays off the stuff it promises you in the, in the premise of the movie. Like, and yeah, like it, it, it is obviously an important and foundational piece of like world cinema and art cinema, and that's cool. And I like a lot of the stuff about it, but I, just, I, I, don't, I don't love it. I'm going to kill you. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I guess my time had to come someday. Yeah, I, I, I think it is sound. Uh, uh, I don't like. I don't love Goddard. This is my second favorite Goddard film. Goddard mm. is still a filmmaker I appreciate more than love. You know, like, like I think oh, he is yeah. doing really strong stuff. 
but I do also think that like the problem with all radicalisms of the past is that of course they become the formalisms of the future. And so this film that was so revolutionary at it in its time, it's like the Avatar 2 trailer, how Avatar 2 looks boring. And you're like, oh yeah, seeing a film that looked like that used to be everything, used to be how you sell a film, and now every film looks like that, you know? I don't know. Uh, the, 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 the only part of the Avatar 2 trailer I've seen is a bit where the dude comes out of the water on the giant pelican thing, and that looks cool as hell. Yeah, but like I've seen a Moasaurus jump out of water and bite a woman in half you know like it's not i'm not wanting for badass things coming out of water you know even in colin trevorrow films anywho i yeah i still i do think it's sound i think band apart is the masterpiece and i don't think not counting histories du cinema which i don't it is a tv series I've I've yet to see him make a bad film, mm. and, and it is the fact that he has that energy that fuck this, fuck the government, fuck the police. Let's push no boring bits, all thrills, no, and all thrills and spills, no fills, and that he has developed stuck to that right. That yeah. even like histories do cinema is a, in my opinion, a boring waste of time. But it, he still goes. It still has the same, yeah. like, fuck you, I won't do it, tell me energy. And, like, uh, Breathless is the beginning of that, and it, you can't call it anything but sound, really. Like, it, it's clearly, it, it, it's an icon in film. And anyone who were to give it even faintly a negative review would be worthy of personal execution. And if you were to you find know. a person, I would, I would locate them. And I would take a like, like in Geely, like a plastic knife, and I'd cut off their fingers until they died. Okay, so so you 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 right now are promising to kill whoever you, you you're promising to kill anyone who wrote a half star review of this movie. I I have signed a contract right here in my own blood. Okay, uh, here is a half star review by. Oh, it's by American Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh. No! Oh, okay. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Good. Okay, cool. Uh, okay. It's all uh, right. I, when, when I kill him, I'll say it's for when he uh, raped the, that woman. Okay, a- so Allegedly. In- allegedly. I've got two options to pick from here. Do you prefer a list or paragraphs? A list. This is a half star review by Letterbox user Nikki Denut. <laughs> it's a character name from G Lee. Yeah, it's a, it's a character name from like a, from like an Adam Sandler movie. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That is what little Nikki's full name is, right? Yeah. I don't use the word hate very often in reviews. I prefer dislike or not my thing. Or something like that. Oh my I god! Hate- Syno- uh, what is it? Synonyms.com has become sentient. <laughs> I hate this movie. I hate the way Belmondo smokes. I hate the way he chews on his cigarettes. I hate the way he strokes his lips all the time. I hate Seberg's French with American accent. I hate that nothing... uh, uh, Two things. Like, those are two big character choices of, of like, how her uh, 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 American-accented French, which is bad and stumbles and I find charming, and he rubs his lips all the time with his thumb. 
how it's do like you a fi- weird it's him trying to have like a noir detective signature move that he does and i i always have three thoughts when he does it one is that's kind of pathetic the second sure, is yeah. like that's how you get your lips real chapped mate like yeah. get, get some pawpaw balm ready and the third is like oh those are great lips look at him <laughs> <laughs> it is and then you're like ah, oh, even with those first two bits this is uh, I, I, anyway, even if you didn't like the film, it's hot chick. Get better eyes, everyone, I guess is what I'm saying. Sorry, uh, back to the list. I hate that nothing interesting happens. I hate all the characters. I hate the fact that Belmondo constantly talks about wanting to have sex with Seabert. I don't understand why she likes him. He's the most intolerable man ever. He wants to strangle her if she doesn't smile. And he's not joking. I mean, I think, I think he might be joking in that scene. I, I could, n- I've never even... Th- like, I've never thought that he wasn't joking. The, I've the, seen this the, film. The, this is my fifth or sixth time seeing this film. I've never believed it. There, there are so many negative reviews that are just people saying, I can't believe he wanted to strangle her, and he wasn't joking about it, and the movie thinks that's okay. Um, I hate when they kiss. I feel no chemistry between them whatsoever. I hate that there are scenes that don't make any sense. Open brackets. The guy who gets hit by a car... The interview scene, close brackets. I mean, the, those, those are both like incidents in their in their lives. Like as 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 Belmond was walking down the street, he like sees a guy get hit by a car, and 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 then that guy dies, and then he like kind of watches for a second, and then walks off, and and like tells Seaberg about it later. And then, yeah, and it's the beginning, like, that's something that would happen in a film. That is that yeah. is the beginning of the film leaking into his world. And then the interview scene is, there is a bit where Seaberg, who is a journalist, goes to a press conference with an author played by Jean-Pierre Melville and asks him some questions, and he kind of hits on her a bit. It's not that these scenes don't make sense, it's that they are normal. They're, they're just, like, moments of these characters' lives that have been chucked in the middle of this kind of like in, in, in the middle of this like crime caper thing. The like scenes themselves are not strange. They're, they're, no. They are they are made to seem strange because they are put in a context where you don't expect them, which is what Goddard is trying to do and, and why he made his like career doing. Yes, this has to be their first time seeing a Goddard film, right? Uh, possibly. I hate the ending. Oh my god, that ending. How insanely ridiculous. It's so bad that it's not even funny. But most of all, I hate the editing. I hate it. I know the jump cuts were new at the time, but I effing hate it. It destroys every possibility to get invested in the movie. This movie is the perfect example of style over substance, and the end result is artistic chaos. Have I mentioned I hate this movie? And that's the whole review. Nicky Donut. If you don't like the film that much, you don't use the word hate lightly. Um, uh, so just simply don't torture yourself, you know, and reliving yeah. it through that kind of almost semi-ritual listing of what you didn't like about it is, is just bad mental health practice. Little Nicky Donut. Uh, sounds like a real character. They must have yeah. a real wild top four on Letterboxd. Okay. Well, okay, would, would you like to try and guess their top four? Why not? I mean, we okay. do it twice an episode and have for about a year. Okay, one of them is a film that is in no way, absolutely not, 
influenced by Jean-Luc Godard at all. No Godardian influence on this film whatsoever. Uh, is it Pulp Fiction? No, but you got the right director. Is it... Oh, okay. Is it good? Do you like yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God, okay. That does not help me at all. No. I, is I, it... I, I think all of his movies are good. Okay. We've been over this. Uh, how many words in the title? Oh, they all have two. Okay. Um, is it Reservoir Dogs? It is Reservoir Dogs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That kind of feels like his elite. Uh, I mean, I kind of see it. And he I called mean, it, us- it, it's, Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's, yeah, it, it, it's the one that's most like. Uh, Visually. Has, uh, yeah, yeah. Two is a movie you think is overrated. Uh, three is a movie that is overrated. Okay, the movie that I think is overrated, you think is correctly rated? Yeah, roughly. Yeah, okay. Is it, uh, are there, does it contain fantastical elements? Yes, it does. Is it from Last Millennium? Yes, it is. Is it Back to the Future? It is Back to the Future. Yeah. Fine. It's good fun. It's just not iconic. Anyway, the next is one that, I is overrated. Yes. Okay. Is this? Uh, uh, it's, a, it's a movie that is famous for being very overrated by by certain people. Okay. Is it? Uh, um, in the English language, it is. Is it American? It is. Is it from this millennium? It is not. Does it contain fantastical elements? No. Okay. So it's a drama. Yeah. Uh, all right. Is it Crash? No. Uh, is it Crash? No. Okay. Um, uh, is it like, is it a character drama or an issue drama or a plot drama? Uh, character. Okay. Uh, ooh. Uh, so neither of us likes this film, and we haven't watched it for the podcast? Uh, I have never seen the full movie. I've only seen parts of it. Yeah, you don't have it marked as watched on Letterboxd. Okay, that means nothing. But it is a film that is mainly known for being very highly rated. The Shawshank Redemption? Yes, The Shawshank yeah, Redemption. Yeah. I have not seen it, no. The last film on the list... Uh, your namesake. My namesake. Someone who has played your namesake in a movie. Ah, uh, okay, okay. So. One of the Baldwins, someone who is incredibly cancelled. Ah, uh, the usual suspects. Yes, the usual suspects. Yeah. Uh, uh, didn't even get to Pete Postlethwaite. Finn. Yes. Where can people find you online? Uh, who gives a shit? You can find the show on Twitter at ShiteSoundPod, or you can email us at ShiteSoundPod at gmail.com. Why not look at our website? It's at shiteandsound.com. If you like what I do, and I hope you do, uh, check out at youthalives on all your various social media platforms. Put bit.ly in front of it and you'll sign up for my newsletter, which is coming back. I promise I have two other podcasts. One is called The Witching Hours, which is an eerie audio anthology, and the other is called The Slow Path, which is a relationship podcast where me and my partner, Briar, Watch Doctor Who until we die. Our theme song is... The Nux by Kazam Blam. 
You can check them out on Bandcamp. A bad website. Oh. Unless it's Bandcamp Unless Friday. it's the first Friday of the month. Then. Yes. What are we watching next week? Next week, we're watching two classics about being on a boat and uh, relationships going not amazingly. That's right. It is uh, Jean Vigo's L'Atlanta and Jimmy Cameron's Titanic. Old Jimbo Cameronski can't wait to see what he does with that big old boat. Do you think things are going to go well? Don't know. Never seen it. Oh, uh, okay. I, I, but you know, he he he. You know, he he he's known for you know big Hollywood blockbusters, real real crowd pleasers. So I'm sure it's going to end like any of Shakespeare's comedies, with everyone paired up and happy. I mean, the miracle of Titanic is that it kind of has a happy ending. But you'll see, uh, you'll see, you'll see uh, next uh, week. I'm, I'm I'm just hoping to 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 see some Billy Zane. Hey, if you like the show. Tell your friends. Share it yeah, around. Yeah, why not? We're an acquired taste. It'd be great if more people could acquire it. And make sure that you post on all the social media platforms, LinkedIn, Bebo, etc. with this week's hashtag. What is it, Finn? Uh, I was about to say hashtag I can't breathless. And I realized that was not appropriate. Hashtag turkey time gobble gobble. Movies are good. Even bad ones. Go watch him. So with that out uh, <laughs> Fuck you <laughs> Thanks uh, Slow Loris Borat Slow bl- Blorat I get anyway I mean look You set me up With a wah wah <laughs> It's like when someone goes I mean like I mean I expect you not to go